Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? I have the presence of mind to suggest we talk about what presence of mind means. So you got a box with a bow and ribbons and you opened it up and there was a mind in there. You got a presence of mind. (laughs) I lost my mind a long ago. So it's about time that I find it again. Is it in a box? You know, with nice, with nice, you know, a little happy birthday wrapping paper on there. Oh, my mind is all wrapped up nicely. Yeah. No, but you know, I mean, as we think about persuasion, I think about conversations with people and leadership, you know, being able to have that mindfulness in the moment is really important. I'll tell you what, there's been plenty of times when I didn't have it. And I, I was like looking for it. Where did I leave it? It was with my keys. I had no idea, but like, you know, people are, people are, it usually happens when um, something goes on, something uh, stressful. And all of a sudden, like, you're like, you know, you see people running around with their hair on fire, trying to figure out how to deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, then there's that one calm, cool, collected person who just sort of walks in, looks around and just like flips a switch and everything calms down. How do you get that? How do you get that? I mean, I think, you know, learning to deal with um, the stressful situations takes practice. You know, uh, you know, in the military, you know, one of the things, and you and I have talked about this before, is uh, the unknown, right? Fear of the unknown. And of course, that means our, our fight or flight kicks in, right? We, we get that uh, hit of um, stress hormones and, and uh, adrenaline and the brain shuts down right right yeah it's just the part that makes you want to punch or run that's super helpful in a meeting yeah well we used to talk about combat mindset uh in training um there was a in in vietnam the the only navy ace was a crew uh, the f4 crew uh um duke cunningham was a pilot now willie driscoll was uh, his his radar intercept officer in the back and and willie taught at top gun for years and years and years even after he was a civilian and he would talk about combat mindset. And the idea basically is that under stress, your ability to think complex and do complex things disappears. Right. Right. And so you want to train to simplicity because that's all you're going to be able to manage. Mm. Yep. And the way you reduce that stress, and I know our special forces guys do this and you know our military in general, is to make it familiar. Right, exactly. Put yourself under significant stress on a regular basis so you can start to do that. Yeah. And, and in fact, you know, the, the special forces guys will tell you when, when stuff hits the fan, the first thing they do is stop and assess. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, in business, we don't we don't have the training time. And I think that's the big challenge is, is a lot of times we don't take the training time. You know, one of the things that I talk about in my. Um, uh, um, oh, my brain just locked up on me speaking about stress, right? Uh, leading when shift happens, keynote, one of, one of the lessons in there 
is that you ought to think about what could go wrong when you're doing your annual planning, not just what could go right. Right? Mm-hmm. We always, oh, we're going to grow by 10% and I'm going to add 20 people and I'm going to do that. Yeah, that's wonderful. What if the economy turns around? What if a pandemic hits, right? What, what if, um, what if a, 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 something hits your industry that changes it, a big competitor moves in next door or you know, whatever, right? Think about those things and plan, start planning them out and it becomes less stressful. Right. Yeah. And, and Sterling Hawkins is another speaker who talks about hunting discomfort. And I think in life, this kind of trains us, you know, to be able to have presence of mind in those stressful moments. Well, that's it. We, we make discomfort comfortable. Right. Or right. yeah, not as uncomfortable, <laughs> but I think it starts with that pause. I think, you know, you said that the, the first thing the guys and gals in the military do when they're, when it hits the fan is they stop, you know, and you hear a lot breathe, you know, count to five, whatever, when the emotions get going and that amygdala part of your brain starts dumping adrenaline in it's first having the presence of mind to pause for a sec, take a breath and assess. Yeah. And the sooner you can catch that, the easier it is to do, you know, um, and I, I've had that happen a few times in my career where, you know, people come to me with something bad going on and because I wasn't right there, and this is the other, this is nice about having sort of a chain of command, right? Because you're not right there when the bad thing happens, mm-hmm. you don't get hit with that same stress level and you're able to go, whoa, 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 stop, slow down for a second. Repeat it one more time. Okay. No big deal. Here's, you know, here's the linchpin here's, you know, and, and you just have that presence of mind mm-hmm. to see where what the real issue is and, and maybe how to mitigate that. What about though when you know you don't have somebody you could go to? Which oh, by the way, folks, shameless plug, that's the value of a coach. <laughs> but what about when you don't have somebody to go to? What do you recommend? I I like the rewind. When I'm talking about emotional intelligence and developing self-awareness and then self-regulation, which is essentially what we're trying to do, I like to do the rewind. So when I'm driving away thinking to myself or walking out of a meeting or whatever, thinking to myself, ah, crap, I wish that had gone differently. I say, okay, wait a minute. What happened? I ask myself a series of questions. What happened? What didn't go the way you'd hoped? What went the way you hoped? What are you going to do the same next time? And what are you going to do different next time? And just, and you said, you talk about training and this is kind of what that is. This is this mental training to prep you for next time. So that when you're in this situation next time, there's just going to be this teeny little bell in your teeny little brain (laughs) in my little birthday box that goes off that says, this is that moment. Remember what we said we were going to do differently. And you might not get it right the first time. You might not get it right the second time. But if you continue to do this rewind and plan for next time, you're you're less likely to make those same mistakes and have the presence of mind to be able to do that thing that benefits the situation or benefits you. Yeah, what you're actually talking about is what we in the military call an after-action review. Yep. In, In flying, we called it a debrief. You know, the Army calls it after action review, but it's all the same thing which is just, and by the way, wins or losses or neutrals right. go through this exercise. It's really, really, really helpful. Okay. As you said, and you know, I like starting out with what I did, what, what went right. I what like starting out on a positive um, 
And then not what went wrong, folks. And you didn't say what went wrong, but what would I do different? What could I have done better? Right. So it's still that positive spin on it. Um, and, And that works great to make the unfamiliar more familiar. Right. Because then uh, what I think too many times what we do, the other thing I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sort of all over the place with this, but I, the other thing that mindset gives you is it takes away the victim mentality mm, yes, right? because it's not something that happened to me, but it's what can I control? Right. And so we all of a sudden take, take control and it gives you the ability to evaluate. Well, I had no control over this, but wait a second. I, couldn't control what they said. In fact, you and I talked about this uh, before the podcast where I had somebody at a keynote ask me a question and I answered the question honestly and truthfully and, and they got a good answer out of it. And then I went and I had an opportunity there to invite them to a deeper conversation and I didn't take it. Mm-hmm. I don't regret that. I learned from it. Right. Right. Knowing that that you're not going to get everything right every time, and if we learn from it, you can get it right more or the way you want to get it more often. Now, from a persuasion perspective, what I really like about all this is as you start becoming more calm in uh, in the maelstrom, you know, the world's coming apart, and you're standing there just going, "Hmm, okay." People will be gravitate will be gravitate will gravitate to that, right? <laughs> it makes it much easier when you're that voice of common reason to go push that lever over there. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go, wow, he's really calm. I think he knows what he's talking about because we know calm people are thinking clearly. Right. Well, and that's the key. And that's, you know, obviously being able to look around and say, all right, who, who seems quiet and calm here? Because that might be the person that wouldn't necessarily speak up, but they may be the one who has a good view of the situation to say, you know, Hey, Bob, what's, what's on your mind? What do you think? Cause I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. that. And if you're looking to become that guy, I'll tell you, and I, I shared this with you, you know, I, not that I poo pooed meditation. I just didn't see why I needed to do it for decades. You know um, it, it always kind of looked neat and cool, but it's like, you know, I, I don't want to sit there for an hour meditating. Um, and now it's a daily practice. And what I find is that that mental state is so much easier to get into. And yeah, the, the more you practice that stillness, because so often our emotional situation is charged by the chatter. And if you're able to quiet the chatter, which takes practice, holy moly. Well, you know, if you think about it, and I've said this before, um, Stress lives in only two places. Only two. Two. That's right. Okay. Two. Which two? The present. I mean, the present, the past, ah, and the future. Mm-hmm. There is no stress in the present. Right. So, in other words, if you think about what things that stress you out, they're either things that you could have done, and, and they're usually connected because it's like, damn, I didn't do this. Or I did this and it, uh, that was stupid of me, right? It's one of those two for the past, mm-hmm. which is immediately followed by, and this is what's going to happen because I didn't do this or I did do this. And well, I hope I don't do that out. again. Yeah. Right. Now I'm stressed out because shit, I didn't do this and this is going to happen. But it's not happening now. Mm. 
And if we can be in the present, go, you know, it's not, it's not here now. It's not happening. All of a sudden our stress goes away. Now we're better able to equip because that future hasn't happened yet. We're better able to equip to go, okay, what do I need to do to mitigate or prevent? Well, right. And, and, and as you focus on right now, where am I right now? What can I control right now? And what can I do right now? You know, the first thing, the thing that pops into my head is the first right thing. What's the first right thing? Because we get caught up in all the chatter in our brains for the future. I can, I need to do this huge thing and I don't know what it is. Well, what's the first right thing? What do I have control of right now? And what you're doing is you're, like you said, taking away that victim mindset and saying, I am a player in this. What can I do? And that's going to move that thinking right into your prefrontal cortex, which is the part that does the logic, not the part that does the freaking out. Right. Yeah. The emotions don't live in the prefrontal cortex. Right. Right. Logic, reason, cognitive thought, right? The things that you need. Right. And when you get there physiologically, your body then starts to come out of flight or flight. Exactly. You start to calm down and you're able to be that chill, cool person in the, in the corner, looking at the whole thing going, everybody's running around like chickens without heads. Yeah. It's kind of amusing, which, and, and it is, you know, that's another technique, right? You look around and you watch everybody. It's just kind of, if, if, if you're not, if you're not being a chicken yourself, you kind of chuckle. Well, look at all these headless chickens, you know, and if you ever see a headless chicken, they're kind of funny. And, you know, and, and then you calmly go about doing what you need to do. Best thing though, it, from a persuasion perspective is if there are human chickens running around without their heads, um, maybe don't point it out. <laughs> don't oh, yeah. laugh out loud. I'm not suggesting you laugh out loud. <laughs> Dave said it here, ladies and gentlemen, laugh at the people who are freaking out. Hey, look at all you headless chickens. <laughs> Y'all are a mess. Although there might be a time when that's appropriate. Sometimes on- you're right. Well, if you got the right rapport with the group and uh, <laughs> it could be just what they need to cut the tension. Yeah. Sometimes that just slaps them out of it, you know, yeah. you know, and, and everyone, you know, you're right. And they just calm down and they stop. And then they, what do they do? Of course, they look at you because you still have your head on and yeah. they go, Okay, what do we do now? Yeah, what do you what do you know that we don't? Well, it's so funny because I was in a conversation with my coach over the last couple of days, and uh, and I was just going on and on, and it was stress about the future, about how I would respond to something in the future, and then all of a sudden I was like, because he was just sitting there calmly, kind of nodding and laughing at me, <laughs> and I was like, okay, he's he's empathizing. And then I realized he wasn't empathizing. He was laughing at the chicken running around the room without her head because I was sitting there freaking out about something where I was like, I'm going to be fine. I've thought about this enough. <laughs> like I'm good. And he goes, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was just as, yeah, but he was definitely having a little laugh. Yeah. Which, you know, you just actually, I think I know the incident you're referring to because I think you shared with me after everything went really well how well it went you're talking about my keynote yeah yeah no it was something else but that too (laughs) right but but i do remember right you're getting ready for this keynote you're freaking out you're 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 thinking about how bad the keynote's going to go right and all this stuff i think you left some things at home or whatever it was and technically i don't remember all the details but right and then you like knocked the keynote out of it was my it was no i didn't leave anything at home it was my brand new keynote 
And it was for a bureau that I love working with. And they, and I really always wanted, I always want to do a good job period, but I always want to do a good job for their clients because they're trusting me. And I, you know, felt a little like, okay, this is the first time I'm dropping this new keynote. And I was freaking out, but I was freaking out before that too. Apparently I freak out a lot. I need to meditate more, but anyway, um, yes. And, and, uh, it was just, I needed to get up there and do it. And then I realized as they stood up as in the standing ovation at the end of it, that, oh, that went really well. <laughs> which, but I was in the moment at that point. Right, which leads me to my point is the more you do this and stay calm and learn how to be calm, the easier it is to look back and go, I've been here before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It, yeah, it's completely different and it's also the same. Right, and, and I think the first thing is recognizing when, you're, when you start to freak out, that moment to be able to say, you're good, calm down. And it comes to a question that he, my coach also asked me this last weekend was, do you trust yourself? Do you trust yourself? And, and sometimes you got to bring in some evidence that you, I got this. And then sometimes you have to bring in that external voice of reason that you said, uh, that you talked about to be able to say, yeah, no, I trust, I got this. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of different ways to come by it. Um, Look, like I said, looking at your past, because I'm sure you've been through it before where, you know, this wasn't your first, first keynote, right? Nope. And even if sometimes like I remember, um, well, you know, I was talking about uh, um, leading when shift happens and the first time and it's completely different keynote now than the first time I did it. I mean, mm-hmm. other than the title. And I look back on that first one and it was terrible, Right by my standards, right. The client was fine with it. Right. And so you kind of go back and go, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Well, guess what? Still, I'm I'm still, I I did this by my standard, terrible keynote, but I'm still alive. I still have a speaking business. Yep. And and is still talking to me, right? (laughs) The sky hasn't fallen. Sometimes it's just that just realizing, you know, even if that was the worst that happened to me was doing that keynote, it wasn't really that bad, was it? Right. And yeah, and, and having that perspective. Um, and, and that, again, is calming the future freakouts by having that little conversation with yourself. Like, okay, yeah, that was pretty bad. And it's over. I'm learning from it. And what's next? And right. And that was the past. And right now in the present, I can breathe. I'm alive right? There's nothing terrible going on right now, which goes circles back to there is no stress in the present. And that's the whole point of meditation is to be completely present. Yeah. Do you have a favorite meditation that you do? Uh, You know, I have a whole bunch depending on where I am and I'm getting more lately into um, silence. And I, and I think this is a practice thing because guided meditation really helped me to be able to get into it and be present and quiet that crazy black flies in my brain that are constantly thinking and planning and thinking and planning. Yeah. Um, but the more I've practiced with guided meditations and I have one that I love on abundance, it's about an hour long and I can sit, I can just be there. But now I'm doing more and more quiet stuff because I'm able to be completely present. And I know some of those strategies 
It's so funny to hear you say that because I've been, I, I also do a regular abundance meditation. It's only 26 minutes, but you know, um, it's a good one and it gets me juices going every day. It gets me in the right state of mind, but I, I started creating my own and then I thought, you know, listening to me, I'm like, I don't want to hear words. And I, I think I'm just going to, I've been playing with just have some uh, biurnal beats playing in the background yep. for 30 minutes and just try and quiet my mind. And when thoughts come in, not push them out, but just let them go and just mm -hmm. sort of try and get into that null state. Well, and I think that's one of the biggest things about meditation is it's so hard to sit there and quiet your mind and not beat yourself up for not being able to quiet your mind, <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. Ugh. And you and I have talked about this before. I think you said that when you have one of those thoughts, you just say, oh, hey, there's a thought. And then you watch it go up like a bubble when you're surf, when you're scuba diving. And I think it's just to be able to just gently say, oh, look, a thought, I'm going to put you over here. We'll get back to you later. I put mine on a leaf and it goes down the river. Yeah. And I don't, I don't fight them. Like if it stays, if it stays floating in front of me and, and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, yeah. Okay. And, and I'll, sometimes I get some incredible insights into whatever that thought might be. Right. And, and, and then when it goes away and I, you know, so, you know, maybe I only get five seconds of quiet before the next thought comes in. That's five seconds more than I normally have. Yep. Yep. And again, all of that helps you practice being in the now so that you can have the presence of mind. I mean, this is something, and I bet you, now that we're talking about it, I bet you my last year of meditation practices helped this. One of the things I think is my superpower on stage is the ability to bring in other things that were talked about by other speakers, conversations I've had with audience members prior, or things I've heard about the company that allows me in that moment to truly be in my content, but also in this room with these people on this day. And that requires a presence of mind that I'm not thinking about, you know, what's going to happen after, am I going to get a standing ovation? I'm not thinking about, you know, that thing I left off the contract. I'm thinking about right now, what serves in this moment. And I have that presence of mind. And maybe that came from the meditation practice. I think there's a high likelihood of, I know, I know I'm, I'm in a very similar way. It's one of the reasons I speak extemporaneously. I mean, I have an outline in my mind and I know the points I want to make and I've rehearsed it enough so that I stay within the timelines because Lord knows I could speak forever. You want a 24 hour speaker? I'm your man. <laughs> marathon, the marathon of Dave Rosenberg. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. No, maybe at first and then, then it would get kind of painful. It's true. And then we got to have a dry cleaner for all the drool spots that people. I don't think you'd run out of things to say, though, Dave. It's not a question of me running out of things to say. <laughs> it's a question of people running out of things to listen to. Well, I'm not saying anybody's in the audience. <laughs> Is he still talking? <laughs> Open the door. Oh, he's still going. No, Close the door. Yeah, but it's true. You got to leave space for that in what we do to really make people feel like, oh, wow, he's talking to me, not giving us some canned thing that he memorized. And yeah. Right. And as a leader in a company, and I don't care if it's a five-person company or a 500-person company or a 500,000-person company, as a leader, you're going to have times where you're going to need to talk to the troops, rally the troops, speak about something, whether it's new product you're taking on, a problem that occurs, it doesn't really matter what it is. And you're going to have notes, you're going to want a certain points you're going to make, and at the same time, you're going to be in the need to be in the moment so that you can deal with whatever comes up 
at that time because I guarantee somebody in the audience is going to throw something at you. So years ago, I was involved with the Harley owners group. You know, I bought my my Harley and, and the Harley put together these owners groups at all the dealerships. And so you ride together. It's brilliant marketing, right? Because you get together, like, uh, I think it's once a month and you go on these rides. And of course, everybody's wearing Harley gear and it's like, oh, I need that for my bike. Oh, and then you go into the dealership and you buy the stuff. It's brilliant. And and then the leaders, they they... The, at their expense, they bring you into all over the country where the Leadership Training Institute, LTI or something like that, I can't remember what they call it. So one I went to was in Vegas and the president of Harley-Davidson is speaking. You've got this picture, this room full of all of us, you know, um, uh, uh, yuppies in leather pretending to be bikers because that's what it is. And he's talking about, you know, the loud blah, 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 blah noise, right? And he's talking about how we get in a bad reputation in our cities and municipalities that have noise regulations, bad Harleys, don't be blipping it under the overpass, what you know, makes makes all this round and rumble. And I know, and he says, I know loud pipes save lives. We hear that all the time. So they hear you coming. And he goes, but here's the thing: all that noise is coming out of the back. There are no accidents from the back. 70% or 90% of the accidents happen in the front of the motorcycle. What's that tell you? smart ass me, I go, well, if the noise is coming out the back and there's no action from the back, then I, I raise my hand. I go, it must be working. <laughs> and he like, you know, right. And, and then he had to deal with it. Yeah. Right. And he didn't deal with it very well because he brought me up and then made fun of my sandals um, and embarrassed me and, you know, not something a good leader would do. Right. Which is to my point, there's going to be somebody like me in that audience. Yep. Yep. And having the presence of mind to be able to deal with it. In fact, and a sales, a sales situation is exactly the same. Um, in fact, it might even be worse because you're not dealing with your own people. And so being able to have that presence of mind to deal with whatever is thrown at you in a sales situation is another vitally important thing to make in the sale. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well. I'm glad we had the presence of mind to talk about this. Well, yeah. And I feel like I need to go meditate before my seven o'clock meeting. Seven o'clock meeting. Yeah. I've got a board meeting. Oh, I thought, I thought that was a euphemism for a date, but. (laughs) Thanks Dave. (laughs) I've got a seven o'clock meeting. Nope. Nope. Just a board. No date. Well, it's funny out here in California, when I was doing sales calls and, Oh no, he's in a board meeting usually they were on the coast and it meant they were out surfing. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I, I think, I think we covered the topic pretty well. I think so. Have a great time, everybody. Make sure you're thinking about getting in the moment. And again, don't think you have to start it with silence. If you're going to start meditating sometimes just five minutes, I use a app called calm and they have a daily calm. And it's 10 minutes and the lady that does them all is absolutely lovely. And, and it's just 10 minutes and it's guided. So it teaches you how, so don't think you have to start on a unicycle. You can start with training wheels. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't, don't think you have to do like an hour. Um, I keep getting this email autoresponder for somebody that says I'm, I'm on a silent retreat till like the end of June. I'm like, Holy crap. Right. Wow. Yeah. End of June. That's like a two month retreat. I know. I know. I'm like, okay, no, that's not for me, folks. You don't need to worry about that. Like, uh, you know, I, 
I think the first meditations I were doing were like 10 minutes. Like Ann said, you know, I've done hour meditations. I've settled on this, you know, half hour, I think for me feels right. But I promise you, whatever you do will be beneficial. Yep. Even if it's just five minutes. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you next week. Take care. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.